Hello, Cheers. everyone. How are we doing? Right. Um, quick bit of housekeeping before we get into the Arsenal chat. So uh, the lads and myself have had a bit of a conversation about the format of this uh, podcast or live um, pod, whatever you want to call it. And we think that we want to position this as something slightly different to some of the other podcasts that are out there, some of the live uh, pods that are out there. So let me set a bit of a scene, a bit of a picture for you guys that are listening into us. Um, Imagine you are literally coming out of the ground right now and along with a load of other, at the moment, disappointed Arsenal fans, you're going to the nearest pub that you can find to chat about the game with your mates like we all do. But we can't do because we're all in this frigging lockdown, which we all detest so much, but we've got to do it. So this is what we've all had a chat about. Everybody that's on the Gunnerstown pub, we've all we've got a little WhatsApp group, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, and we've all decided actually... Let's frame this as a post-match pub chat. That is literally how we're going to do it. So from now on, every single pub chat that you get is going to be like that. It's going to be like, imagine if, you know, when you go to the pub and you've got your mates around you in a little circle and you've got pints in your hand and you're talking raw emotion post-game. So what we're going to say is over the, for future po podcasts, pub chats, whatever it is, it's going to be raw emotion. So sometimes we're going to have opinions and they might be a little bit because we've all been drinking booze. <laughs> the key thing yeah. about this is we don't, want, we don't want to position this as a, a podcast which is structured. and We want this it's to be structured chaos. Yes, people interrupting each other. We want you to talk to us. Imagine as if you are virtually that person that is in our circle next to us. If you want to do that, all you've got to do is get onto the uh, get onto the the messages. Uh, put a message on. We're on Facebook. In fact, let me introduce um, Paul Invincible. How you doing, mate? You all right? Hey, I'm good. We're I'm good. going Ready to. to go. You're going to be the master of all of the online stuff. So all of the invisible people in our pub chat circle, you're going to be feeding across what they're saying, so that we can talk about that because we want this to be interactive. <laughs> we want this to be an interactive podcast that you can listen to, and then you can people can listen to it afterwards. Or they can think, actually, do you know what? I'm going to virtually just join this pub after. Imagine myself getting outside of the ground because I can't be in the ground at the moment. Um, the I've comments are piling up already. Exactly. So I've already talked for nearly three minutes and I haven't introduced the tactics master, the coach, the genius. Uh, I'm not going to go into all this, oh, you know, podcast. It is, it is randomness. So, Mike, talk to me, baby. Talk to me. Well, I feel like my balloon's been deflated. I've got to get that out there. Um, maybe I think our reaction is probably yeah. based on our expectation before the game because I'm flicking through Twitter here just before I came on, and I feel like my balloon's been deflated. But I had quite a high expectation. I actually thought we were going to win. Crazy. But um, I suppose and there's some folks out there who are saying, well, we didn't concede 20 shots. We didn't get you know, the floor wasn't worked with us and, and all the things that have happened in the past and all of that is true. So putting it all into perspective, even though the game was just a damp squib, I suppose there is progress and no doubt about it. But I feel like the, the balloon got deflated a little bit for me today. Yeah, no, I agree. Go on, Paul. No, you go. Um, yeah, I was, it, it was kind of a game that, that slid into different kind of emotions for me. It started out and it felt so delicately poised. It was like chess, you know, it was like I was on tenter hooks. It felt like, you know, that, you know, there was one little breakthrough that might happen. Somebody's going to make the first mistake and, and, and you know, then crack the game open. Um, and then it kind of, once they'd scored that first goal, it kind of felt like it settled into something else where we just started playing within ourselves. Like it was a timid we weren't really pressing. We weren't really committing. We felt like we were shepherding the ball around and nobody was taking any risks. And it just, that that's where the balloon started. And not like a pop. It wasn't a pop. It just went yeah. and kind of farted its way around the room and then came to a rest in the corner. And then the cat ate it. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of comments I've just seen. So um, one comment about Ozil, and we don't need Ozil. Um, let's park that for now. So apologies um, if, you've, if you're standing in the uh, side, if you're standing in the side of that our virtual pub chat and you've just chipped in with that we don't need Ozil, we'll park that for now. He did say one of the things that um, Stewie has said, though, is that um, Pepe hasn't turned up and William didn't have anything. Can I offer... Slightly differing opinions there, Paul. I'll offer slightly differing opinions on that. I don't know what yeah. you think, but I agree with William. I think 
I I think Willian's performance today was not that of the false nine that we would have hoped. I'm not quite sure what Arteta was thinking playing Willian as a false nine because with the formation, and I wrote the formation down because I'm a sad loser, I wrote the formation down at the start. I thought it was Leno in goal, right back Bellerin, Luis, Gabriel, Tierney as the, as the three. And um, we had Saka on the left, Ceballos and Xhaka in the middle, Pepe, Pepe, Ober and Willian. But William was playing central, wasn't he, Mike? And it just did, I don't think it worked in any way, shape, or form. Mike, what do you reckon? What do you reckon, Mike? Mike. Come in, Mike. Ground controls, mate. He's gone. He's, he's had enough. He's had enough. Had, I don't, I don't know. He hasn't had anything yet. I'm yeah, so no, frustrated. I... It's interesting. What was Willian? What was Willian? What was he? Was this like a false nine or like a false ten or a, oh, um, you know? At first, it looked like Aubameyang was like in the in the middle, and then then it turned out that no, Will, <coughs> Willian was in the middle, and it was, it was kind of a little it's, bit. It's odd. Why are we not utilizing? Why are we having Willian playing through the middle when you've got someone like Oba? Particularly when when the ball comes to Tierney, the first thing he's looking at is that ball, that sort of curved ball over. And I mean, Emma has just said on Facebook, she just said, "Is is Oba is like, is he still hugging the touchline? Is he still walking up and down the touchline?" It's like, why are we playing Obamiang, Obabiyong, however you want to describe it, that, like? Along that, along that width, if we're not going to play that out ball, I only saw that from Tierlin like two, three times. I don't know. Mike, what's your thoughts on the whole William thing? Talk to me, baby. He's <laughs> <laughs> stunned. He's stunned. Exactly. Stunned. All right. Well, frustrations then, Paul. What um, do you think? Talk to me about your frustrations. About did this not feel like? this was an opportunity to get at Man City with the injuries that they've got. And I think we just played within ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying earlier. It just felt like we were, um, that we were timid. We, we, um, it felt like we were too comfortable in trying to draw them out. So like when it got to our midfield, instead of, you know, maybe trying to break through that line and, and find, you know, like some movement up front and, and, and get into their box and take a shot. It felt like 75% of the time we were willing to turn around and pass it back, mm. you know, and try and play out from the back, which we weren't that great at because City are pretty good at, at pressing. I mean, they were, you know, I think we did turn over quite a few balls. Or was it just me? Sometimes, it, sometimes yeah. I feel like we're coping and then sometimes I feel like we're not. And today I kind of felt like, that we weren't going to pull off some spectacular goal from the back. You know, we just generally tend to lose it, you know. That was the, do you know what? I make you absolutely right there. There was at least three or four times that I made a note where we gave the ball away in our own half because I get the playing out from the back and it's really working. But I just, I see us playing out from the back and then when we lose the ball to a team like City in our own half, it just puts us under pressure straight away. I'm really hoping that, Mike, you're you're available to us to talk now because uh, you keep dipping in and out. Is it because you keep going to the loo in our virtual pub? Is that what it is? You've had too much to drink and you're, you're buggering off. You did tell me that this was a pub, so I, I've ordered lots and lots of drinks for you and I've put them in the mail because we don't live in the same country because I'm very conscientious like that when I'm in the pub. So, Something to do my Wi-Fi. Uh, my thoughts on it, I think it's all based around one person, quite honestly. Um, I think that um, a lot of our failings were down to the fact that, from what I saw, William was hiding most of the time in the first half and a large part of the second half. And he, you know, we're all saying that Arsenal need that creative link. We all wanted Hussein and it didn't work out. Arsenal still have creative players, and he is the most creative of all the guys that are on the field, and it was left on the shoulders of the 19-year-old to go be creative. And he had a very good game in part, Saka. And, he yeah. and I felt sorry for the poor lad because he was out there trying to do it by himself. William was playing false nine, wasn't he? For the most part, I know that they, they switched. He was playing false. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, you know, for me, if you're going to pose a false nine with William, I can see the logic in that because uh, he's, got all, he's got the skill set. But when we looked for him, he wasn't coming towards the ball to separate himself like Firmino does at Liverpool, and he wasn't running behind. So there was no point. And he's not a physical presence, so we can't go long to him. So the whole structure, I think, fell down because our creative player being put in a creative position 
um, and not being asked to go hang out with the centre-backs didn't do his job. It's very, very frustrating for me. And I know people are picking, I see on, 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 the, on the chat about Pepe. I get that. But Pepe wasn't fed. And you can, you can feed Pepe with long balls. That's fine. Uh, we chose not to do that. But he's no quicker than the guy that was marking him. And so that's not going to work either. But we needed a connection. And there was no connection because our connection was um, – he was down the pub like we were. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree. I think Willian and Pepe, when Pepe together on the field today kind of made us just fit like a very kind of uh, timid, you know, I didn't feel, I think, I thought, I think Pepe is, is kind of pushed off the ball rather easily. Um, like you said, I, I felt like Willian hid a little bit and, and um, you know, there was just no incisiveness. There was no, attack it was just it, it just felt like we were waiting for something to happen but you know nobody wanted to be that thing that was going to happen except for Saka like that guy uh, he was fucking awesome as far as I'm concerned man of the match for me from oh, our, yeah, our team but, but Chris, you expect, you'd expect more from the others though wouldn't you I mean if you could add if you had a highlights reel of Aubameyang, William and Pepe and then you put Saka's highlight reel together I don't think that those other three created in any way any more than he did all by himself. Um, and I think that there's there's some some issues there with the centre of the midfield, which thankfully I think are going to be healed with our shiny new signing. But I saw Aubameyang making those in-and-out runs, wanted the ball over the top, ball not played. And that's been going on for quite a while now, that he makes those runs, ball not played. And we've got to mm. play it. And, and for me, it was a game of no risk. And I'm getting bored of writing the same blogs or the same comments in the same blogs because that's what I'm seeing with Arsenal now. We play this game of no risk. Players are not mm. opening their hips. Paul said earlier, very smart. He said, you know, I feel like the ball goes up, we go forward, we go for oh, we go backwards. And we go sideways, mm. then we go backwards again. And there's such little risk. And, and I've got one more thought before I'll shut up for a minute. Gabrielle in the 88th minute, finally got the ball and ran up the field and broke a line. And it's not that we need Gabriel to do that, but I'm thinking nobody else has taken a risk and thought, okay, I might lose the ball trying this, but we might also gain something by trying to do something a little adventurous. But I see no adventure in the Arsenal team when they play like this. Uh, so I'm just disappointed with the lack of adventure and risk. Um, so, yeah. I think that's a big problem is we have an, a manager who is structurally setting up the team really, really well. And yeah. I, go in, I go into these games not as absolutely terrified of a 6-0 drubbing as I used to. So that's, that's a tick. So fine. Okay, brilliant. So the next bit is, can we actually go and win on? So there's, there's a difference between making this competitive and turning this into a victory away from home. And that's the transition that we need to make at the moment because, and it feels like that we're a bit off of that. It feels like he's essentially got us to a level where, you know, we're still in the game. We've still got opportunities. There was with a few minutes to go, David Luiz just clips a ball into the, clips a ball into the box and Aubameyang just beyond him, you know, Aubameyang's into that. He heads it in, you know, one, one. And we're saying, Oh, you know, not too bad. Changes the narrative. Um, Emma, have yourself a drink because the North London Derby, it's a, it's a few weeks away and, I don't think that Man that Tottenham are anywhere near the level of Man City. So don't worry. Don't yeah. worry. But what I will say is that we do need to create more chances. I think that that's the thing that's really frustrating me. He's got the structure right in the team. We are we've got some we've got some good players, and the way that we're moving the ball and the way that we position ourselves when out of possession and in possession is good. But that final third against the big teams is where we need to really up it. And I think maybe also there's an element of us needing to maybe temper ourselves because we have just played the two teams that last season were miles ahead of anyone else away from home. So there's so £63 million pounds worth of defence on that City yeah. team. You yeah, know? but that, I mean, that doesn't say a lot, mate, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Chris, there's a good comment here from Andy Bailey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I'll put it on screen. We Go really needed to play 4-3-3 today or at least change to it as soon as we saw Walker and Kinsella on the same side to nullify Alba. The 3-4-3 is all about damage limitation but offers nothing in attack. It's seven behind the ball and leave the front three to create amongst themselves. Saka was fantastic. Put him out wide and Alba through the middle. We need ball carriers. Why do people want Aubameyang through the middle when 
when he, you know, twice he's almost got the golden boot playing off the left. Well, I think it's um, uh, well, he he came. Uh, he's a, he's a centre forward by trade, whatever that means, right? Uh, so that's one reason, and I think it's the pain, Paul. It's the pain that people feel when we finally got the ball in the final third, and it's a Bamiyang with his foot on it on the left wing. And I feel it too. I think a lot of people feel it. And it's the core problem. And you think, ah, he's the guy that we need in the box. Um, I agree with you, Paul. It's hard to justify putting him at centre forward because he's rivaling the golden boot every season. Every game, he's creating chances. Even in this game, he could have quite easily equalised. That was not offside. VAR would have called that a, a goal first half. There were a few shitty VAR decisions, weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about actually? Can we talk about the uh, right on half time? Can somebody explain to me why Kyle Walker can raise his boot six feet in the air? Gabriel was yeah. not stooping. He's six foot three, is he? He's taller than me for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, yeah, I, have yeah. to, I have to bend over when I get on the Jubilee line. So, how is <laughs> Kyle Walker that high? That's ridiculous. And all of a sudden, we're getting referees saying, nah, don't worry about it. And so, so sorry, I'm going on to a bit of a rant now. Apologies. Yeah. For those of you that are listening live, I apologize. But this is the pub. And sometimes you get to have an app. So you get, you get to go in two-footed on things in the pub. So here we go. Right. Number one, that's a penalty. And Man United get themselves a uh, after-the-whistle's-blown penalty. So why is this suddenly not something that we can have? Anywhere else on the pitch, a high foot like that, the referee goes, ah, that's a foul, mate. So step back. So it's a foul. Whether it's inside the box or outside the box, it's a foul. Or it's dangerous play. That's a penalty, number one. Number two, Cancelo. Oh, I think I'll just rake my uh, studs down the back of Tierney's feet. So what happens if he rakes his studs down Tierney's calf in that opportunity, which was a yellow card, should have been a red? Sky talking about orange. No. Yellow or red? It's not a yellow. It's worse than a red. That's a red card. But you know, let's just ignore that. Um, then we've got, then we've got other situations. This is just happening every single week. We saw it today with the Liverpool. Do you know what? It's fun to laugh at other teams, but mm -hmm. imagine if that was us, where one of Aubameyang's shoulder is offside or his heel is offside as Lacazette puts it into the net, and we don't win at the North London derby. It's ridiculous. VAR in the flipping bin, mate. In the bin until you get the PG, MOL, and Mike Riley out of the door. Yeah. Sorry. Relax. Yeah. I'll well, step back from the pub circle. Maybe we should let some other virtual people talk about Like Steve Brown is asking why Xhaka's still at the club. Well, because he's good and uh, retains the ball. And actually, every time the ball goes out from the defence, he's the one that's then recycling it over or... Um, Jay said, somebody needs to play centre. This is the downside of the Facebook comments because um, I don't know who needs to play centre, Jay. I'm guessing you're saying Aubameyang. Let's go back to that, Paul, because you, you're questioning why he needs to play centre. I'll step back and let other people talk. Yeah, well... well my, kind of, yeah. my kind of answer that already. I think it's a, it's a debate that people are going to have forever. I just felt like today, um, you know, without Lacazette or Nketia, I felt that we didn't have anybody any kind of fox in the box, any anyone that was going to actually make, take advantage of the small chances that we created there. I felt like we, you know, I just didn't feel like there were there were goals in us, and and mm -hmm. and I think probably the team felt that too because it's like we didn't try, you know. I feel like we didn't really, you know, push the point. We had a we had a couple of shots. Um, I think Saka had a really um, a good one that Edison tipped over the bar. I know we had three shots, I think, on target in the first or three mm -hmm. shots. In the first half, mm. well, there's I mean, Chris has just, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. Chris has just said, "Why not play?" Chris Fire has just said, "Why not play party to start with?" And also, Eddie has been on fire at the moment. Um, it could have made the difference. I do wonder whether or not the subs could have. I think party, you know, he'd only played a, a day and a half worth of training. I do wonder whether or not we should have given him an extra 10 minutes than he had because he had a he didn't really have much to do but you know there's not really much you're going to do in in 15 minutes is it is that there? sorry strange. mike i interrupted go on crack, 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 yeah, crack. I mean, yeah that was strange to me he came on and was at the 81st minute i didn't really understand that uh, and the game wasn't too hectic to where arteta couldn't have um seen the the need for some kind of energy and um again risk taking but going back to the Abamyang centre-forward thing, um, that may well happen. 
because I think everyone would agree there's a second formation coming at Arsenal. We have one yeah. formation. We've been playing this 3-4-3 three, three, um, or four, whatever the, it is out of possession and in possession. It's more of a 4-3-3. Three, three. But there's a second formation coming that's not three at the back. And it'll probably be birthed when we feel comfortable with, uh, with our back four uh, that we want to put out there. I know he put in Gabriel... Um, I'm sorry, Gabriel is, a, a, for me, a, a sure starter, but putting him out there with anybody other than somebody like David Luiz might be seen as a bit of a risk because he's so young to the league. Um, so maybe we're going to have to wait a little longer, but there's a new formation coming and that may well include a Bamiyang at centre-forward. Which game was it, boys, recently that Bamiyang played at least a portion of the game at centre-forward? We got Sheffield a United. It was what? the last 20, 30 minutes at Sheffield United and it transformed the game. And actually, Pepe came alive in that game. Yeah. And I guess... But he came on as a sub, right? Pepe came yeah, on as a sub. He came on as yeah. a sub. What I would say to that is, I think in my mind, so I'm getting a little bit excited and grumpy and um, frustrated. But again, I need to temper myself by saying, we've just played Man City, who finished second last year. Man City and Liverpool for the last two, three years have essentially been the teams fighting for it. And everybody else have just been watching them from on this plateau, from a, on this sort of plinth from, a, from up high. We've just been watching up yeah. and feeding on the scraps. We've just played them twice. So, you know, it's it's going to be very, very different when we play uh, West Ham away, Burnley away, Sheffield United away, um, Everton away. You know, all of these teams are going to be very different to that Man City team. And I think that I need to measure my own stress levels, maybe with alcohol. That's why we're in the pub. Yeah. yeah, I think um, I think recognizing the progress that we've made under Arteta needs to be taken as a given, and and how much respect we have for the structure that he's managed to, you know, get this team to play. And I mean, I think we we had a four four two in defence today, which I hadn't. Yeah, some stage. Um, you know, uh, that seemed new. So there's there's new stuff coming out all the time, and and I, I think it's just amazing that, that that we have a squad that can play under multiple formations when we've we've had squads in the past. That, <laughs> that haven't been able, it seems like they've been unable to, to you know, sometimes they feel like a one, 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 you yeah, know. I'm sure, I'm sure Mike's desperate to get in. I will let Mike talk in just two seconds. What I will say just on the uh, messages, Jason just said he, you know, we don't get, he doesn't get scared. This is from, I think, Facebook. Jason said he doesn't get scared going into games and he trusts Arteta's system, which I think is pretty much what you were talking about there, Paul. Sorry, Mike, go on. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh... Yeah, I think we do have to step back. I know this is emotional because the game's just ended. My expectations were higher. I expected more. So that's why I feel a bit emotional. But ultimately, like Paul said, uh, um, and, and again, I wrote about this last week, the building blocks are certainly in place. And I think that's why all, all, all Arsenal fans back the coach is because they see that he's solidified the team. He's got organisation. This team is not in danger of going anywhere in the world. Forget about the Premier League uh, and getting their, their butts beaten. So uh, that's a huge change because that was very much for the last two coaches uh, a nervousness that we had and the reality that we lived. So there are building blocks. We do have to be patient. And Chris made a great point. We just played Manchester City away. And Manchester City, uh, one of the best teams in the Premier League and one of the best teams in Europe. And, you know, we're a Europa League team and they're a Champions League team. And we just lost 1-0. And, and if we're not Arsenal fans, we'd, we'd look at that scoreline and say, well, you know what? That's actually not so bad. And I know that's not what you know, an Arsenal fan wants to feel or say, but the result isn't terrible. Um, everything's still fine. It's in place. And when Thomas Partey, uh, who is the catalyst probably to this whole thing changing, finds his way into the first team, I think we'll see things start to shift and certain players go out and certain other players come in. Um, I just hope that if Willian, uh, as was talked about in the summer when he was purchased, to, uh, to be more of an attacking midfielder and play more centrally, that was the whispers. If that's true, he better decide to play and not hide because that guy uh, was given the luxury position today and didn't perform. So, And I feel sorry for everyone else who's picking on on the chat on Pepe and, and, and everybody else and why this and why that. But if you've got a playmaker and you've given that guy the luxury of having a little more freedom to play a position that he wants to play, he needs to play. So, um, again, I'm frustrated by that. Mm, Paul, question for you. Do you think that um, 
I've drunk too much alcohol because I've forgotten what I was going to ask. <laughs> I do think this. I agree completely. Um, I think it's the wisest thing you've said all night, and I'm probably going to get a tattoo with that on it. So, <laughs> um, Sammy Joe said the front three made sense. <laughs> Sammy Joe said the front three made no sense. What front three, Paul, for you makes sense? Oh, um, wow. Um, I liked it when Saka was playing um, off the left, which he did maybe 15, 20 games ago, and he and he played it consistently, and he was cutting in and, and, and making great crosses. But that means, against everything that I've said, that, you know, Aubameyang needs to be in the middle. Um, and then on the right-hand side, you know, Pep, I, I, there's different... I think different combinations work better together. If you're going to play Lacazette, then you need a Bamiyang and, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Steve, Steve Heath doesn't like Lacazette. Steve Heath, on, I think on Facebook, said um, he's never going to be a righty. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, how many games has it taken for um, Lacazette to get his 51 goals? I know. He's just not. And tonight was just weird. Like Mike. From no, I'm serious. Compared to like um, other other Arsenal players. Somebody oh. somebody out there will know. Um, Probably a billion. Um, a billion. I don't think it's that much, Chris. I think you'll find that Lacazette isn't as shit as everybody makes him out to be. <laughs> no, but um, Mike, can I, can I talk to you? Like, you're a donkey. He's a pile of shit. And, you know, he's like starting no. world champions and... Hundred gold for us, and you so, know, sub break all off the bench. Sorry, Paul, this is just. Paul, I know just, you love Lacazette. I know you love Lacazette. Have yourself a drink, take a breath. Let okay. me just say this tonight. I'm going to mute myself. Lacazette, no, 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 don't mute yourself. Lacazette came on, and he was basically dropping deep. But when he was pressing higher, I didn't see a Lacazette that was chasing. So, so Aubameyang, William, and Pepe. When we started the first half. We were pressing really, really high. Lacazette was not pressing as high. I don't really know what instructions he were given. I'm not even sure he was given those instructions, but he just, he impacted the game in no way, shape or form. And Mike, I appreciate that maybe from a tactical perspective, sometimes you need to look at things once or twice, but give me some thoughts on Lacazette, please, because I'm a bit confused. Yeah, well, I think Lacazette is a good player. I think he's good at holding the ball up. He's a good goal scorer. I think he's good in possession. This is what, to me, when he's at his best, uh, I think he's good on the ball. And I think he is just a seven out of 10 footballer. He's a, what do they say, a jack of all, all trades and a master, master of, none. of none. Jack of all yeah. trades, master of none. So to me, I think Lacazette uh, in January, um, at the earliest, of course, and at the latest in the summer will be sacrificed because I think Arsenal needs somebody that's a little more devastating than than him. And I also feel like you see that Arteta, ever since he's come in, has favoured these longer balls either to get out of the press or just favours that ball over the top because they're pressing us high. Um, and Lacazette, is that's not his game either. The, to me, nothing that Arsenal do in any formation that we played makes me look at Lacazette and think that suits him. And he's a centre-forward. And there should be some formation that suits your centre-forward. And to me, he's just a good player. He is. He's good. And sometimes he has really great moments. But it's so rare. And I don't think anything that Arsenal do suits him. I'm looking at a guy at Salzburg, you may know, called Patson Dacker. He is devastating. And he is. Uh, he took the place of Erling Braut Haaland who went to Dortmund, and he is ripping it up. And, you know, I know it's the Austrian league, but we've seen these guys come out of Salzburg. A lot of them are the real deal. And this guy is living fast, is a is a physical monster of a, of a guy like Haaland. Uh, and I think Arsenal are looking at him, the guy at Celtic as well. So to me, um, I'm okay with Lacazette, but I don't think that the club are. I don't think that the club see him as the way forward because there's nothing that we do that you think, ah, this is going to suit Lacazette today. And he's going to have a stormer. And I think that that's the problem. Mm. What happened to um, that Lacazette? That, do you remember when he, Sorry, Chris. Do you, do you remember no, when... You there, there were those few games after, in the first season or the second season that he was with us where there was a moment that he would go like, you know what, fuck this. I am going to make something happen. And he's, there were a couple of goals he scored. Like, you know, he picked them up from the halfway line and he just, you know, he just forced his way through. He was like a... 
James Bond like a blunt instrument that just, you know, just took it upon himself to grab a game by the scruff of its neck. Like, what happened? I missed that. Saka had it, but why don't we have um, forwards that do that? I mean, I love Aubameyang, but, I, you know, it's not like he has great hold-up play. He's not fantastic, like, winning long balls in the air. And even if he does, there's nobody there to get them. It's well, like... Well, Paul, here's you know, we're, we're in that. I'll tell you what, when I close my eyes and think about Lacazette playing for Arsenal, I think about him running and chasing and pressing and chasing mm -hmm. and pressing and running. Doing that job. If Disrupting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I'd say that's probably his number one best best use. I don't want that to sound insulting, but but he does that fairly well. But I'm wondering if that just runs the legs off the guy. And when it comes to Arsenal having to attack and him having to make a dynamic run off the ball, if he just doesn't feel like he has the legs for it. Uh, that's one issue. The other issue is if you watch Alexander Lacazette closely, he his movement off the ball is his worst, least least of those qualities. He never, ever makes two runs, which you know, as a coach, you teach your, your forwards, you can't make straight runs. You make a straight run, you'll just be followed. It's too easy for you to be marked. You don't do that. You zigzag, you zag, zig. You you come, you go, you go, you come. So you make yourself very difficult to mark just to get that half yard that we all know about that gives yourself that half or full chance to score. His movement is always uh, easily read. And I think that that might be his number one biggest problem. Um, yeah. Can Chris, I, who's I, your I, who's I, your favourite front three? Who's your front three? Sorry, three. I mean, so, yeah, so I mean, what I is I would have gone Saka on the left because I think again he was brilliant, but I think we just need him further up the pitch, and he will also track back. So I just think that would have worked. Aubameyang through, the, I do think Aubameyang through the centre because, and people are saying, oh, you know, why do we need Aubameyang through the centre? But actually, we haven't seen enough of it through the centre. At Dortmund, he was a monster through the centre. So um, really good point, actually, from Andrew just Short. Just And we kind of touched on that. Andrew Short just said um, we've had at least two hard away games out of the way and not the yeah. end of the season. Too I'll tell you what, Andrew, two, hard. two hardest. I would yeah. say the two hardest games out of the way. So good shout there, Andrew. Um, Saka on the left, Aubameyang through the centre, because particularly the way that Tierney angles those balls in. Can you imagine a ball? So let's just uh, let's just uh, put a, a, a scenario in place. All right, we've got the ball deep. We've got a team that high presses us because we're drawing them out because we play that deep, which sometimes terrifies us, but we need to get used to this. Arteta is getting us used to this as opposed to Emery, where it was playing deep and we had no idea what was going to happen. He's, he's It's with a purpose. Tierney picks up the ball and he's looking, he's looking along that line. So imagine he's playing that line ball behind a wing back or a full back and Saka's getting onto it. Where's Aubameyang? Aubameyang is very, very clever. He is in between those two centre forwards, and he's on he's on their shoulders. And Saka has got great distribution. If we if that is an out ball, we will time and time again get Saka in behind, and he will find Aubameyang. So what what will Premier League teams are sent are clever? You know they've got all of the data. They know that's what. So even if they start looking at that. That's when we need somebody. We need players behind him. We need other players. Maybe that's when we get William in. Maybe that's when, actually, this is the releasing the shackles of Thomas Partey. Because if he's going to be arriving into the box a little bit later, if he's going to be box-to-boxing with his energy and athleticism, maybe he gets more opportunity and space in behind. Or maybe Stacker's in behind and there's Pepe that's coming in from the back into the front. So ball goes over the top. You've got Saka running into it. Picking out a good ball, you've got a Bamiang on the end of it, scoring goals. If it, if it doesn't go to him, maybe it goes to the far post to Pepe. Maybe Pepe, Pepe takes the right. run. Maybe Pepe, maybe Pepe takes that run where he drops actually and lets the play sit back, and then he's a late runner towards the penalty spot. Amen. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is this is the type of football that we need to see, but. We need to see it not just on that left-hand side. We need to see it on the right-hand side as well so that we've got that balance because otherwise teams are going to suss us out because two years ago we had Kolasinic bombing down and cutting back, bombing down, cutting back, and teams just realised he's going to get to the byline and cut back. So just put bodies okay. in that space. Okay, Sorry. I've got one word, one word for you, Mike. Maybe just um, Martinelli. Where does that go? What happens? Well, for me, Martinelli, when I look at Martinelli, he... He looked like a centre-forward, but he says that he's uh, an inside left, um, and that's where Arsenal have played him. I see him as a centre-forward, his profile, and that one, I think yeah. that might be the reason, guys, that we actually didn't dip into the centre-forward market yet to replace, uh, let's say, Lacazette, um, because we're waiting on this guy who's got bags of potential. We all see it. 
and maybe um, he's the centre forward we're lacking. Have you seen those training videos? Those shoulders have doubled in size. Getting bigger, yeah. Those biceps and triceps have grown. Uh, he's not triore yet, but he's getting there. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's, um, he's better in the air than anybody else uh, at the club up front, for sure. We've seen some of these uh, two or three-headed goals, and his technique, I can tell you, is far better than Lacazette or Aubameyang. And so that's something we can be excited about. I wanted to also give a verbal round of applause to to Chris, at least from my opinion, for the front three. I, I've, that's the that's the three that I want, Chris. No doubt about it. And this virtual is virtual high five, virtual yeah. pub high five, man. So then, guys, you've got Martinelli, Lacazette, and Enketia all like what are they doing? Just floating around. Wait, one of them getting every three games as an impact sub. How does that work? Okay, well, How this is what I would do. This is my first choice based on what we've got available right now and we'll talk about martinelli afterwards i would do exactly what chris said because to me the, the underachiever is pepe he's the guy that's frustrating the life out of everybody let's forget about his price tag forget about it for a minute just look at his performances it's great it's average it's poor it's great it's average it's poor it's all over the map and, and you, when you pick him i feel for arteta you don't know what the heck you're going to get i mean do you i don't know what we're going to get from him and so to me when i see him and I watch Mohamed Salah, I see a very similar player. But Pepe doesn't get anywhere near the opportunities to be given the ball in the areas where he would be most dangerous in versus Mohamed Salah. But you think about it, Pepe, that whipped cross to the back post is a strength and that and his finishing, huge strength, hardly ever finishes. So to me, he has to play inside right, not outside on the wing because he attracts a crowd and takes way too long to beat his man. So you move Boom. him inside. So what you've got to do, tactically, if you have an inside right, you've got to have somebody offering width. So you play Saka, because Saka is more of a natural winger. He can hold the width out left. So you've got a wide guy left. You've got your right, fo uh, right forward tucked inside, where he can shoot, shoot, shoot three or four times a game, like Salah, like Mares does. Same thing not stuck way out on the wing, and you've got a centre forward. And, and that's, to me, actually, that's the debate because I think I would rotate Martinelli and Aubameyang, and I would probably be inclined to sell Lacazette, send Nicotier out on loan, or maybe have him as an impact sub because he is proven to be more of the Ian Wright, Fox in the box type player. But I, first of all, I want to see Pepe inside, and I want to see Saka outside, and then I, I want to see what happens when Martinelli comes back. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of things. Um, sorry to interrupt there, Paul. But um, number one, I, I don't know what Nicotia is. It's either some sort of Greek team that, um, <laughs> that, that plays in the Europa League or it's some sort of patch that you put on when you've stopped smoking. <laughs> but secondly, um, Jay Green on uh, Facebook. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. I had to get that one in there, mate. Apologies. Um, Jay Green says um, he feels we're too passive in midfield. Jay. Thomas Party. That's all I'm going to say. And the third thing is, I'm really sorry, but just like a pub, I'm going to have to uh, drink my drink and make a leave because I've got a steak that I've got to put on. So I'm going to leave you lads in the pub having a drink and talking to the virtual pub friends that we've now accumulated. And hopefully we'll accumulate loads more virtual pub friends over the next week. Um, lads, have a good one. Keep, uh, keep, 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 I think we're all keeping our chins up, to be honest, aren't we? Because... I thought we played. We didn't play great. We played within ourselves. But like, this is my this is my Jerry Springer final thought. By the way, <laughs> we, we we didn't play great. We played within ourselves. There was an opportunity missed, but I'm sticking positive um, as I drink my half bottle of rum, which has now disappeared. So anyway, catch in a bit. All right. No, thanks for joining us, Chris. No worries, mate. Later's. Yeah. See you. See you next time. Yeah. So Mike, um, you know what it is. I, I, when 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 we're on shows like this, it's you know, and, and you're t giving your opinion. It, I know it feels like we're always moaning, and you know, you you you're one of those guys who writes a post-match blog. I don't know if you can have the energy to do one today, but um, yeah. And your your blog is called Positive Needs and Hopes, which is really you know it is. It's 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 a very positive. Um, you have a way of looking at things and and not you know making us feel worse afterwards. What would you say was a positive that you would take out of this game, the main positive that you would take out of this game? I suppose the main positive is uh, step back, remember the past, look at uh, where we were, where we are, and the fact that 
in the 92nd minute, we were in the game. Uh, that has to be undisputedly the, the biggest positive because the football is ultimately about the score. And we, in the past, were miles away at the 92nd minute from being uh, able to win, draw the game, um, or even competitive, let's be honest. So maybe that's more than one uh, step forward, Paul. Maybe that's two or three steps forward. Uh, and, and, you know, the other piece of it is, you know, is that a one-off? I don't think that's a one-off because Arteta has gone and beaten, you know, Liverpool was it twice and Manchester City once and he's beaten Wolves and Sheffield United a couple of times. And so I'm not looking at a situation now where I'm thinking, well, I'm still nervous about going away to White Hart Lane and Old Trafford because we could get ourselves killed because we did okay today, but we're just not, we're just not there. I have so much belief in our coach. So short term, you know, not the best, but, the long-term and medium-term picture is still very rosy for Arsenal. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, um, and Arteta has said specifically that we need to close the gap, um, that, that, that huge void that, of 41 points or whatever it was between us and Liverpool at the end of the season. And closing the gap is these small incremental, you know, um, these tiny advances, you know, so instead of losing 3-0, you lose 1-0. And then the next game, maybe you draw. And then, you know, then the next... I mean, today, let's face it, if if Aubameyang had put that goal through and, and you know, and it had been one all, then, you know, the game's different. Now, suddenly, City have to play to a different plan. Yeah. Um, we had chances. I mean, we, you know, I think that I think that we had chances. They didn't have that many in the second half. I think, you know, they had some good ones, but um, and their XG or XFPR was probably better than our XBL... <laughs> S-H-I-T. Um, but, you know, we did have chances and, and we've taken those before and, and turned a game on its head. And I think that could have that could easily have happened today. So it's kind of like one of those games where it could have been 1-0, you know, or one all or 2-1 maybe. You know, it's just, there, there were like a lot of outcomes. Do you feel that we could have, you know, pulled off a shock win there? How did you feel going yeah, in that we, uh, we might? Yeah, any time that you're in the game, I think... Uh, anytime the game, the game is one nil, then you're in the game, and I think that that has to be the uh, the greatest benefit. Um, and you know, you the other one that we missed there is the the obvious penalty situation. I think that that could have changed everything. It was right on halftime. That swings the whole mood in the locker room. Sorry, the changing room uh, at halftime, and that was an obvious penalty. So, um, you know, it's funny. I think that there's. Sorry, the the pundits were saying, "Oh, appeal for handball there," you know, and Gabe, and you know, Gabriel, it was hand, you know, and like they totally missed the fact that the guy's boot was like flailing around at the at the height of the you know the crossbar. You know what I mean? It was like sometimes you listen to the the pundits talking, and you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know? Oh yeah, and that was yeah. definitely offside. And you go like, and then the, then the the the, you know, the VAR will say not offsides, you know. They'll be like, oh, yeah, it wasn't offside. You know, I thought it was offside at first, but then I realized, I mean, they're just idiots. I'm sick of listening to them spew their rubbish. Anyway, I interrupted you. So, yeah, that penalty could easily have changed things, right? Yeah, it could have. And I'm just, I'm still looking forward. I suppose that uh, the other positive is that um, I'm waiting for this second formation, Paul. I know it's going to happen. I think it'll happen probably. Is it Tuesday we play Rapid Vienna? I think you'll probably trial it in the Europa League. Uh, and it's probably going to be a 4-3-3, I think, because I, at least I'm not seeing William worthy of playing a 4-2-3-1 and putting him as a number 10. So I think um, the 4-3-3 is, uh, is where we're going to go. I had a question for you. If we did go 4-3-3, because that's what most Arsenal fans think we're going, what would be your optimal lineup? Um, I would go <coughs> probably... Um, with the, with the people we have, or with with the injuries, people returning from injury, with what we have, I'd say um, yeah. Bellerin. You know, it was interesting that Arteta had holding starting over Louise today, and then he injured himself in the warm up. But so Bellerin, um, I quite like holding. Um, I do agree with you that having somebody like kind of mature Louise style character next to Gabriel would help. But I would go with Bellerin holding um, Gabriel Tierney. Um, and then probably Shaka, Party, 
and Ceballos with Ceballos kind of as the slightly forward of those three and Shaka as the, as the slightly back and party kind of having a roaming role. I think, you know, utilizing his mobility and his defensive thing, I think he'd be able to move up and attack and be that box-to-box guy arriving and also the guy that can help protect, you know, um, the back four. And then I would probably have... Um, uh, I'd probably play... It's either Saka, Bamiyang, Pepe, or Bamiyang, Lacazette, Pepe, Orlean as the, as the front three. Come on, pick the team, pick the team, be decisive. Mick, Mick just said, not Shaka, Jesus. <laughs> I don't think Jesus plays as a, a defensive midfielder. I think he's more of a... Um... Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? That's your team? Yeah, I said, so if you were being the super decisive and had to pick the front three, what would what would you do? Um, I would probably play Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe. Okay. Okay. All right. Can I have a go? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So I've got one that's going to make the comments blow up here because people are probably not going to like it, but I've been... El Nenny. Uh, yeah, El Nenny in goal. Um, <laughs> I... Um, <laughs> I've wanted this for a long time and I'm happy to agree with people who think that I'm insane. And if Woz is watching this, he's going to turn off now because he does not even like this player. But Arsenal, uh, Arsenal have just signed this, you know, this multi-purpose, functional, all-action midfielder that we're, we're all likely to see who can defend, attack, break lines and pass. But I think there's a junior version of him at Arsenal already, who has not been given the chance on the on the team sheet to play midfield, even though he plays midfield when the game is in motion. And so here's my lineup: I'd go with Leno, uh, Bellerin, and uh, and Tierney with Gabriel and Louise. Uh, my uh, I would invert your triangle, Paul, in midfield. I'd play Danny Savias as the defensive midfielder uh, because I think he reads the game well and he's good on the ball like Jorginho to circulate it. Yeah. it didn't play very well today. but uh, And then in front of Denny Ceballos, uh, I would have Thomas Partey on his right-hand side uh, as the central right midfielder. And then I would have Ainsley Maitland-Niles as the central left. Um, and Granit Xhaka played well today. He might have been one of our best players. And, and I would definitely rotate Granit Xhaka. I'd use Granit Xhaka, and I like him. But I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles... Um, is a junior version of Thomas Partey. The guy has a very good passing range if you allow him to utilise it. He's another line-breaking player. We see that at left wing back and the few times he has played central midfield. He loves to run with the ball and break the lines and we're desperate for somebody to break the lines. Um, He's got defensive uh, positioning. He's just been taught by Arteta playing in the back. So I think his defensive game is better. So I think if you gave him a chance to play in a midfield three, you'd have two box-to-box players in Thomas Partey and Ainsley Maitland-Knowles that could actually get us into the final third because, you know, putting William there or inverting Pepe and all this, all these ideas, nothing has really worked yet. So I think the other way of doing it, Paul, is you have your midfielders bring the ball to the final third if there's nobody there to connect with. Um, and so and then up front, I'd have, as I said earlier, Saka on the left, Pepe as an inside right forward and Aubameyang at centre forward. Uh, and I'm very excited with Martinelli coming back. But what do you think about my insane idea of Maitland-Niles as a central midfielder? Um, I, you know, I, I don't... I, listen, I'm, I've, I've really, I really like Maitland-Niles. I think he's a great utility player. Um, he has obvious skills and I think he's getting better and better. Um, as his confidence grows and his confidence has grown with Arteta using him more. Um, I, the, I don't know. I, I, it's a tough one. I'm trying to imagine because the thing that, that, that makes me nervous about Maitland-Niles is, is when he drifts out of games. Um, you know, I, I think he's been better at that, but I still feel like there's moments where he just he just doesn't see like... He just seems to kind of um, vacate the premises and then he comes back again and by then the mistake has happened. But maybe having him, you know, much further up the field means those mistakes won't be as costly, you know, so there's something to be said for that. Um, You know, we've got other players that that would be kind of looking in our our youngsters, 
you know, to play that role like Smith Rowe or, you know, um, even Willock seems to have more of an ability to break the lines and stuff, you know, comfortable with the ball. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting it's an interesting call because I think Maitland Niles is a very coachable player. I think that he knows how to fulfill the role. I'm just not sure he's naturally that player that we need to be that to, to take that responsibility. That's okay. just that's how I feel just in my in my heart. But yeah. you had um Miller and Louise, Gabriel Tierney, Ceballos, Party, um, Maitland Niles, and then who do you have? Saka? No, Saka and Pepe. Hey. Pepe is an inside right forward, again, in that Mohamed Salah role, and then a Bamiyang at centre forward. Um, and I also like what Mick in the chat says, Mick Oram in the chat with Smith Rowe. Honestly, based on profile and talent, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching Ainsley Maitland-Niles as a line-breaking central midfielder. Um, I think Smith Rowe might be the most talented of all the options we have. Of course, we've every time we'd love to, you know, give him his birthday present, um, he falls sick, doesn't he? So um, it's hard to know what he can, he can actually do. But the few glimpses we've had of him, he looks like a guy that could bring the ball into the final third and is creative when he gets there. Joe Willock, of course, can bring the ball all day long. He's got those legs to bring the ball between the lines, but seems to uh, have a brain freeze when he gets into the final third. Um, but anyway, my Maitland-Niles story is based on his not just his desire to play there, but the fact that when he plays left wing back, he actually plays central left midfield anyway. We see him tucked inside, don't we? And we've seen it for England. Um, and to counter your point, I know he's has brain absences and I know that's been an issue, but he's also the guy that in the big, big, big games that Arteta's played, he's always played Maitland-Niles and he's always done a very, very good job. Uh, yeah, I do agree about that. I think um, I'm really curious to see once Martinelli is back, what Arteta does with yeah. the people with the people that we have up front, because I mean we're now starting to have some, you know, some serious depth, um, you know, with with the Martinelli, Lacazette, and Ketia, Aubameyang, you know, Saka being able to play up up front or as a wing back, um, Pepe, Willian, um, as you say, the Maitland Niles parties, you know, got more of that Ramsey style box to box ability, and also I've seen him shoot from outside the box and score some fantastic goals. I mean, I'm, I'd like to see a few of those happen. I just feel we need to take more shots, you know, and um, and create a little bit more havoc in the box, which which then Aubameyang or Nketiah or um, whoever's in the box then has the chance to kind of, you know, feed on those kind of scraps and, and make, make something out of a bit of that, you know, um, that panic that you can create by shooting, getting the balls and getting the crosses. And Saka and Tierney used to get way more crosses into the box. And there were people that were there waiting for it. Today, you know, there were times that they were up front and you looked across and there was like, there's nobody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you say about the crossing. I remember first seeing Tierney's crosses. It was in the Europa League and then Saka in the Europa League. But it was Martinelli in the box. And it was Martinelli that was finishing, finish, finishing them off with Nicotier as well. Some beautiful finishes. It's just not a Bamiyang's game. And that's why, even though I put him at centre forward, I'm still reticent. <coughs> because he's not aggressive, he's the opposite of aggressive, whatever that word is. And also, you know, uh, playing with his back to goal on the halfway line, he's going to get kicked. And he's, is he the guy that you want to be um, on the injury table because he keeps being yeah. kicked? That's know? kind of what I was saying. You know, he's not, he's not somebody who's great at hold-up play, back to goal, you know, like I'm getting, you know, getting the ball. I mean, I've, I've seen him do it on the, on the wing and, and rescue us a little bit. But that that role of being like the only guy with you know three defenders bearing down on you and and holding it up he's he's never struck me as that 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 person yeah and there's and that role has to be played you need you need in this day and age I think you need a forward who can create some release you know by 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 being on you know parking him on the on the halfway line for that break and and giving the team some respite you know while you know while they try and get back and um, you know transition. And I don't know. I've, I've never seen Aubameyang kind of play that centre forward role. Make, I'm, I'm sure he's not that guy. He needs balls over the top, and he needs space to run onto, and then he's lethal, you yeah. know. But how often that chance against a low block or against a team like City that's pressing us, you know, so relentlessly? It's very hard to get those shots off, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would just love to see uh, Arsenal find a player, whether it's a, a ten or a, a line breaking midfielder, bring the ball into the final third. And see a Bamiang at centre forward. 
making those short little diagonal runs into little pockets of space in the box and just being given those thread balls. You were saying earlier about Lacazette and what's the difference in the past and the present Lacazette. I remember when Lacazette was playing um, in front of um, whether it was Ozil or whoever it was, um, and he was getting those shorter little thread balls between the centre backs for him just to turn and shoot. Turn and shoot. And he was a two-touch guy. He was like, you know. That was his strength. And and he's an instinct player. If you give him time to think, I don't think he's a super footballer, but if you give him time, uh, no time and let him play an instinct, I feel the same way about a Bamiyang. He's so quick. If you were just to thread him balls and have him just turn and shoot, we don't do that. Yeah. Well, we yeah, I don't think we have much incisive play. I don't think we we create the opportunities that our forwards deserve. Put it that way. I think that the, that the biggest breakdown in this Arsenal team, and it has been for a couple of years, is the is the link-up play. We're we're getting better at playing out from the back to the middle. We used to struggle with that. The middle used to not give options to the back, and they were under tremendous pressure. And they normally cracked under that pressure. Yeah, we've got better at being able to link to the middle, but our our issue still is finding the link between the middle and the front in the final third. And there you, you, know, and there you have either you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly Arsenal's biggest problem. And then and then yeah. if Ar- and other people say Arsenal's biggest problem is they don't shoot enough, they don't score enough. But you have to rewind to what you just said because what you just said is the reason why they don't shoot enough and score enough. Yeah. I think I might have accidentally stumbled on that. I probably meant to say something else, but I'm glad that you picked up <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad that you picked up on that. But, um, yeah, so, um, well, we've got Rapid Vienna coming up. And then after that, what's our next league game? Um, is it United, Leicester, Tottenham? There's something coming. Is it Leicester? There's some tough ones. It's like we're playing the top six all in a row, right? Yeah, I'll look it up here whilst you're, whilst you're thinking on it. I think it's Leicester. Here we go. We've got Rapid Vienna on Tuesday. Uh, actually, yeah. it, says, it says Thursday. I'm sorry. I thought it was Tuesday. Uh, I saw Tuesday. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish. Uh, and then Leicester at home. Leicester at home on Sunday. Um, so um, that should be interesting because they're a, they're a team that like to uh, sit back and counter like we've been sitting back and countering. So be interesting to see how that game sets up. And then after Leicester, we have... We have... Well, we have Dundalk, the mighty Dundalk at home in the Europa League, and then we have United away, um, and then we've got another Europa game against Molder, and then we've got Villa at home, and of course that would have looked like three points in the past, but yeah, credit right, Villa are doing well, and then we have Leeds away, and then we have Wolves at home, so this, and then we have Tottenham away. So the, the- we would have got away. We would have played Liverpool away, City away, United away, Tottenham away, Leicester away, Leeds away, all in the first half of that. Yeah, season. Well, yeah. Well, the uh, you not hold on a second. You said Leeds away. Yeah, that's correct. United away, correct. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Golly, gosh. Because um, Leeds, that's going to be a heck of a game. They're the real deal. Tottenham away. You said that one. So yeah, you make a really good point. There's. Until we get to December the 12th, when we play Burnley at home, I'm not saying that's a gimme, but that would be the the first time I'm looking at these fixtures and thinking we're definitely going to get three. I feel like we should get three in that one. So um, we've got a tough run. We've got a tough run, but then hopefully, you know, it starts paying off in the second half of the season when we've got, you know, I mean, as much as home games mean anything with without without a crowd. Um you know, maybe maybe we'll be on the on the the brighter side of where we normally in the dark side in the past, where you look at the run in and you go, oh, we've got United away, Liverpool away, Spurs away, Leicester away, <laughs> Wolves away, and, and and you know, like two home games in our last seven. If if we've got you know some of the big games have taken care of, and you know, it'd be great to get a draw where we've where we've lost. Um, it's not. I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's good. All this, this progress, this in, incremental progress, is working, and I'm quite positive for for the season. <clears throat> to be honest, I think we can make top four. Yeah, I definitely think that too. Um, I hope that uh, they don't feel too dejected by today, and I think that Arsenal are about to be transformed when they um, they get uh, Mr. Party on the field anyway. 
Um, were you surprised that he didn't start today? Um, I don't know about surprised. I just I thought Arteta would do what what needed to be done. And actually, when Party came on, I felt like he was a little bit behind the pace for the Premier League. I felt like um, I think it was a little bit tougher than. You know, I don't think he dominated. And I think it's funny because I saw players kind of avoid passing to him. It seemed like a lot, you know, like um, it felt like they were playing, you know, passes to the people that had been on, on pitch for 90 minutes and not necessarily, maybe it was protecting him. Um, but um, what did you think about his cameo? Because it was just a cameo really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <clears throat> I was a little bit surprised they didn't play him um as the box to box they've seemed to play him as the dm when he came on and we were needing a goal and i thought oh gosh but maybe it was because he didn't quite have the legs you know you don't know what's going on behind the scenes but um i think what will happen is that he'll start on thursday um in austria um you know and and that's more but based on arteta seems to be playing strong teams in all competitions uh, at least to start with, he has done it in the Carabao Cup. He did it in the Europa League last year. He, he started fairly strong and played a lot of first-team players. So I think we'll get to see Thomas Partey in his optimal role first on Thursday. And I'm not sure we'll get to see that yet in the Premier League. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think um, I do think that Arteta is probably going to ease him in a little bit. You know, I, I think at the point that we've just started to establish some kind of structure and and, um, uh, and steadiness, l let me put it like that. I think it would be it would be it might be silly of Arteta to to switch to something completely new and put people's noses out of joint and maybe upset the, the balance because we've got a little bit of a balance, you know, that, that yeah. I think that we haven't had. So I think he he's going to find a way. It's like working on a moving vehicle, right? So you're a mechanic. And suddenly, like the car is breaking down, but you're on it, and you still have to drive forward, and you yeah. still have to do the things that you need to do. We don't have the luxury of of a preseason on, and and getting somebody in. So I think that I think that you know any kind of move that Arteta makes is going to be tempered by the fact that we still have to have that momentum and keep that momentum and that structure. Yeah, I thought I love your point about um, bringing them in slowly and not upsetting the balance because <clears throat> as fans, we don't often even care about those kinds of things and we just pick the team from our couch and just throw the players out there that we like and forget about the human element of if you've got a new guy who's just shown up on the block and he gets thrown straight in when you've got other guys that quite honestly have been playing quite well uh, I don't think any of them El Nenny, Tobias and Xhaka have been playing well in every game consistently this season but certainly they've all had very good games and, and periods and I think it would um it would somewhat demoralise them. It'd almost be like, well, you just want to chuck me in the bin straight away as soon as the new guy shows up. But the new guy hasn't even proved to you that he's any better right. than me. You're willing to right. chuck me in the bin. And the human element, I think, um, I think, if you were given that opportunity as a coach, I think you'd love to be able to challenge the guy to prove to you that he's worth the, the money you just spent on him and prove to the others that he's better than them because then nobody can throw their hands up in the air and say, well, you know, what the heck just happened there? Because he's had been given a chance to prove it and he's proven it. So um, I just, I, I thought he was going to start today only because it was Man City away. He's a Champions League player. They're a Champions League team. And yeah. we just really need his skill set right now. <laughs> you know? It's true. That's true. While you're talking about um, the fact that all those players have had you know, they've all well, they've all had decent some decent games and then some where they they kind of haven't been that great. But I was just thinking how thankful I am that we've cut that part of out of our game where one or two of our players would make massive fucking mistakes and cost us the game. Yeah. Either get themselves sent off or or dive in on the halfway line or, you know, like do some stupid ass fucking clown car defending thing. And, and 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 ruin the game, you know? And we haven't done that for like a few, at least two or three games now. So I think that's a positive thing, right? Yeah, it has to be. And, you know, as soon as the goal went in today, I went onto Twitter. I don't normally do that because I don't want to see the vitriol. But people were, were throwing sticks at Leno and Bellerin. And I'm thinking, ah, Leno, maybe. They were saying he should have held it. Oh, I don't know about that. 
or he should parry it. Uh, well, he did. Should he parry it wider? And they're picking on Bellerin. I actually mm -hmm. thought it was Danny Savias that started off the um, the issue with the counterattack. But anyway, to your point, no, no, I think I think he's. I mean, he slipped after that first save. Yeah, he did slip, but yeah, your point, couldn't get a grip. And yeah, yeah. To your point, I think it, uh, if that's as bad as it gets that people are, you know want to throw sticks at that situation they need to do what you've just suggested is go back and look where we were at because that was nothing compared yeah. to you know and, and forget about that one incident you know that was a great finish by Raheem Sterling there were other situations in the game but there was nothing that Manchester City created at least to my memory where I thought that was because of a lack from Arsenal or a mistake from Arsenal and we were offering up those on a golden platter, three or four a game, weren't we? Yeah, we were. Um, I reckon we need to tie this up. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been fun. I don't know what you know. Well, it's been fun for me, and I'm on it. I don't know what the um, the listeners or the viewers think. Maybe it's a bit too rambly, or but I've really appreciated everybody's um, feedback and. And you know the the comments that have come in consistently. There's some great ones. Um, you could almost do a show where you just read the comments, um, uh, but sadly we can't do that. Sometimes we're too busy talking. Um, anyway, so please, uh, folks, if you do get a chance, um, please follow us on Twitter and like us on YouTube and things like that and Facebook. All of those things kind of help. Um, just to help us reach a wider audience, and we appreciate your um, uh, sticking with us and 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 being part of it. This new Gunnerstown pub thing. <laughs> yeah. You got anything to add there, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Just um, for those of you that like to read, uh, when I get off here, I'll be writing my post-match uh, review. I do it after every game. I know some of you guys on the on the chat. I recognise your names, and you read my stuff anyway. Um, it's called Positives, Needs and Hopes, as Paul said earlier, and it's on gunnerstown.com. And uh, you can read it through Gunnerstown or read it through my Twitter uh, handle, which is probably up there. So um, just give it a give it a go. It's something very different from your average post-match review. Um, so um, give it a shot. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again for everyone. Um, we're going to play you out with our wonderful... Uh, Outro. So up the arsenal. Cheers. Ooh.